Hi everybody and welcome to fourth quarter results presentation for Flex LNG. It's February 14th, Valentine's Day. So I'm Øystein Kalleklev. I'm the CEO of Flex LNG Management and I will be joined by our CFO Knut Holt, who will give you uh, some more details on the numbers a bit later in the presentation. Um, the presentation will be concluded with a Q&A session and as you might recall, best question this uh, round will get the original Flex Flexington Bedlin set for two people. So I hope you can provide some questions either by sending us an email on ir at flexlng.com or just use the Q&A button in the webcast. So before we begin, just want to remind you about our disclaimer uh, related to forward-looking statements. Uh, we do provide some non-gap measures and of course the detail level we can provide here is limited given the time. So with that, uh, let's review the highlights. Revenues for the quarter came in at 98 million in line with previous revenue guidance of 95 to 98 million, uh, where our numbers uh, this quarter was boosted by our index ship in a booming spot market. Net income and adjusted net income came in at 41 and 55 million respectively, where the main difference is we realized gains of 14 million on derivatives during Q4. Earnings per share and adjusted earnings per share was 0.78 and $1.02 respectively. In November last year we announced the extension of three ships with Chenier where we added a minimum of 14 years of contractual backlog to an already rather sizable backlog. Knut will tell you today that we have finalized our balance sheet optimization program. Uh, he is presenting uh, refinancing of three sh last ships in our fleet. And altogether, the balance sheet optimization program will have released 387 million of cash. For next quarter, Q1, we expect revenues to be in the region of 90 to 93 million as we are doing our first scheduled dry docking of Flex Enterprise at the end of, of Q1. And altogether, this year, we will dry dock four of our ships. Nevertheless, we do expect revenues to increase. Uh, regardless of that of fire, revenues expected to be in uh, the region of $370 million for the year, driven by higher time charter equivalent earnings, where we expect average time charter equivalent earnings to be about $80,000 compared to $72,800 for 2022. Uh, EBITDA numbers are also expected to increase with a similar amount compared to 2022. So with a, a healthy backlog, a very sound financial position. We are again uh, declaring an ordinary dividend of 75 cents, but also a special dividend of 25 cents, bringing the dividend per share to $1. And for the full year 2022, we, that means dividend of $3.75, $200 million of dividend. And that implies a dividend given the share price level today of around 11% yield, which could, should give your investors an attractive yield being invested in Flex LNG. So let's review our contractual backlog portfolio. As I mentioned, we did uh, three ships we extended in November with Chenier. This was Flex Endeavor, which was extended until end of 2030, added uh, altogether 5.6 years. Uh, Flex Vigilant added 6.4 years, also bringing that to 2030. Those two ships have option to 2033. 
And then the last ship we extended with Chenier was Flex Ranger, another the two optional year, bringing that ship until early 2027, which we think is a very attractive uh, position to be in. This is a uh, the time where we will have a lot of new LNG coming to the market, and uh, the other deliveries today are uh, earliest 2027 and even into 2028. So we are competing against much more expensive ships with the uh, current yard sticker price today of around $250 million. In, uh, in uh, 2027, we also have Flex Constellation fully open. This ship is firm until 2024, but uh, Charles has the option to extend the ship up to three years, bringing it uh, uh, re-delivered to us uh, in, in Q2 2027 at the latest. So these are the two ships we are marketing in, uh, in, uh, for longer-term contracts today. And we are a bit about the prospects given the higher term rates, as I will explain later in the presentation. Last year, we also extended more ships. We extended Flex Rainbow for 10 years, and she just commenced her new 10-year charter in February. And we also extended Enterprise and Amber by seven years, starting July last year until 2029. Uh, we also have some other ships in the portfolio, Flex Freedom, Earliest re-delivery 2027, there's a two-year option uh, on this ship until uh, early 2029. We also have two more ships with uh, Chenier, Flex Aurora, Flex Volunteer, earliest re-delivery 2026. Also here, two-year options bringing them to 2028 potentially. And then we have two more ships uh, on this 3 plus 2 plus 2 structure, Flex Courageous and Flex Resolute, uh, earliest re-delivery 2025, but this is very uh, likely that these ships will be extended given the contract structure, so we don't expect to get these ships back before 2029. Constellation I already covered, and Flex Artemis is the one ship we have on uh, variable hire contract, uh, which had uh, boosted revenues in, in Q4, as I mentioned in the highlights. So, uh, looking at our guidance in a bit more detail, you can here see our revenues and EBITDA the last couple of years. As we have taken deliveries of ships in 18, 19, 20, 21, uh, the last ships, of course, our revenues have increased and also the market has improved. For next year, despite, as I mentioned, dry docking of four ships, we do expect revenues to grow by about 20 million and, and similar for adjusted EBITDA. Looking at our dividend, earnings belong to our shareholders, and I think we have uh, demonstrated that today with a $1 dividend, bringing it to $3.75 in total for the fiscal year 2022, which compares to earnings per share of $3.54, or adjusted earnings slightly below that at $2.83, as we had significant, uh, significant gains on derivatives which has been unrealized during the year. When it comes to the decision factors from, for a dividend, I think I've covered this in great detail in the past, but of course it's linked to our earnings, which are strong. The market outlook, which is also strong. We have a very sizable backlog, as I just demonstrated. Our liquidity position, we ended up with a cash position of 332 million, and this will be further boosted by the refinancing, as, uh, as Knut will shortly uh, explain. Covenants flying with green uh, colors. We don't have any debt maturities before 2028. CapEx liabilities are um, limited to the dry docking of the four ships we have this year, where we do expect uh, dry docking expenses to be at around uh, 
18 to 20 million dollars in total. Uh, other consideration, I don't want to jinx it, putting this also uh, fully green, so we keep it uh, light green for now. Uh, and, and that's kind of the, the highlights for our uh, assessment of the dividend. In terms of uh, safety and quality performance, this is something we care deeply about. We do have a lot of repeating customers coming back and of course they are doing so because we have very reliable uptime as you can see here 99.9, 99.8 and 100% uptime on, on our ships despite you know quite challenging uh, operation during Covid. Uh, and uh, uh, regardless of that, uh, we keep our ships and the propellers turning. Also in terms of, uh, of safety, the two most uh, relevant benchmarks are the lost time injury frequency and the total recoverable case frequency. Here also we are measuring very favorable to the LNG data from Intertanko with uh, LTIF of 0.33, 25% lower than uh, the industry standard and, and even better when it comes to total recoverable case frequencies despite a bit uptick in that for 22 for our parts. So with that I give it to you Knut and you can do a review of the financial and I will come back and uh, go through the market. Thank you. Thank you Einstein and let's have a look at the key financial figures for the fourth quarter and 2022 uh, full year. 2022 was the first year where we had the full fleet available for the whole year as we had uh, three deliveries of new buildings in 2021. If we look at the time charter earnings per, per day, we uh, achieved 82,000 in Q4 and 73,000 for the full year. OPEX per day, uh, slight improvement where Q4 ended up at 13,500 per day, and for the full year, 13,400. Moving on to the revenues, the fourth quarter delivered uh, 98 uh, million in revenues for the year, and uh, reflect uh, uh, higher earnings under the variable uh, time charter for the Flex Artemis. Uh, for the full year, we ended up at uh, 348 million. If we look at net income and adjusted net income, 41 million for the quarter and uh, adjusted net income of 55 million for the quarter. Uh, the difference here is the uh, realized gains on termination of derivatives uh, that were done in October uh, in 2022. Net income for the year, 188 million and adjusted net income of 151 million for the full year. If we look at the cash flow, cash increased by 61 million in the quarter and we ended up with a record high cash position of 332 million. This is mainly driven by the net proceeds from financing where we concluded the refinancing of the Flex Resolute in December. And uh, we uh, mentioned the realization of uh, derivative uh, swaps which were terminated. In addition, we raised uh, 14 million uh, from our ATM program. And as a reminder, amortization in Q4 is uh, slightly lower uh, than Q1 and Q3 due to the semi-annual repayments under the ECA facility. 
As we will announce later on, this ECA facility will be refinanced in full, so for the coming quarters, amortization should be uh, more smoothed out quarter by quarter. As we will highlight uh, later on, um, we are also completing our refinancing program. And for Q1, we are estimated to uh, release net proceeds of 204 million, adding to our already solid cash balance. So for the balance sheet, uh, it remains uh, clean and robust, strong cash position of the mansion 332 million, and we have a book equity of 907 million. That gives a book equity ratio of 34%. And um, it should be noted that the book values reflect that these vessels were acquired at historically attractive prices, uh, which is uh, <coughs> where the replacement cost is uh, materially higher than this. Moving on to our interest rate portfolio, uh, which is uh, we have had an active hedging strategy on, um, adding long-term swaps when the interest rate market was low. And as we see in October, uh, we terminated the 100 million 10-year swaps, which uh, gave us a cash uh, gain on 14 uh, million. In the quarter, we also amended 100 million 10-year uh, swap, uh, where we had uh, unrealized gains of 15.5 million. Uh, which we used uh, to enter into a new shorter uh, interest rate swap of two and a half year, but increasing the notional value uh, to 181 million, which was then entered into an attractive level of 0.9%. Uh, um, further, in January, we added another 50 million of a 10-year swap, um, which gives us a total swap portfolio of 741 million, enter into attractive levels, which gives us now a forecasted uh, hedge ratio of about 54% in the coming quarters. And the uh, hedge ratio has improved um, as we are now announcing uh, new financing where we are increasing our RCF capacity, but then on a net basis the hedge ratio improves. Which takes us then to the balance sheet optimization program, which we now announced uh, will be finalized. We will, uh, with the remaining uh, financing we are announcing today, we will then release 387 million uh, of cash under that program. Um, last quarter, we announced uh, the financing of the enterprise as completed. Uh, and with the Resolute and Amber to be completed. Today, we announced that all of these are documented. Resolute uh, was completed in December, Amber in uh, early February, and Artemis is uh, shortly due to be, uh, to be refinanced. Uh, that uh, all of these are uh, documented and signed. Today, we also announce a new lease for the Flex Rainbow. Uh, it's with an Asian-based lease provider, and it's a back-to-back -back financing with her 10-year contract. Uh, the Flex Rainbow uh, was refinanced uh, under the 375 facility. So we will replace her under that financing with the Flex Aurora, which was then taken out of the uh, 629 million uh, ECA facility.
And then today we're finaling uh, the balance sheet optimization program with the $290 million bank facility of where $150 million will be structured as a bullet RCF. Uh, and with the completion of uh, the final financing, uh, the full 629 facility will be refinanced in full. And as we also highlight there that once we now complete this, uh, we're also pleased to see that all of our priorities from the outset has been met. We are stretching our repayment profiles, we are significantly improving our margins. Uh, this is a comp comparison with uh, the on-balance uh, uh, bank loans and lease financing uh, in Q421. We're increasing maturity dates. Uh, we are freeing up uh, nearly $400 million. Uh, and we have a flexibility with the $400 million RCF uh, for cash management and uh, reduce the utilization during, in particular, high interest rate environment. So we are pleased and grateful uh, for the trust and uh, commitment we have from our banks and lease providers. And with this, in Q1, all of the financing shall be completed. So then uh, last quarter, we named it Fortifying the Balance Sheet. We now rename it to Fortress Balance Sheet. Uh, our contract backlog gives us stable cash flow. We have now refinanced and we're having significant cash available. And that is uh, uh, for cash management purposes, we can use the RCF, which then has a cost of uh, 70 basis points. And all of this is, uh, gives us the commercial flexibility uh, to continue the flex journey. And with that, I hand it over to Aisten. Okay, uh, let's review the LNG product market. Product exports were up 5% last year, driven by US up 9% despite uh, the outage on Freeport, which removed about 112 cargos from the market, equivalent to 8 million tons. Freeport has been up uh, exporting cargos again this weekend, so that will add to growth uh, of US volumes this year. Russia, despite all the sanctions, sanctions don't apply to LNG, Russian export were up 9%, so 3 million tons in total. Malaysia also recovering up 11% and then other countries up 2%, bringing the total export market for 2022 to 400 million tons. On the import side, we had some major shifts in trade uh, flows. Uh, given uh, the high prices of LNG and uh, the economic uh, downturn in China caused by the zero COVID policies, imports in China was down a whopping 20% in uh, 2022, which was a, a, a very welcome relief for the European market. The European buyers have been struggling getting access to natural gas given the curtailment of Russian flows and European imports were up 45 million tons or 54% in total. Looking at uh, the import nations, you can see here six uh, top import gainers last year were all Europeans, dominated by France, UK, Belgium, Spain, Netherlands and Italy. So just like in 2019 when we also had a, a, a weaker market in, uh, in, uh, in, in China, uh, we saw the European buyers at that time 
buying up LNG cargoes because the price was low. This time they are buying up cargoes because of the curtailment of, of Russian flows. And on the other side here you see China, Brazil and also some developing countries where the price of LNG has been so high that buyers in uh, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh has been struggling to uh, be able to pay such a high price for LNG. And as we see here, coming soon is Germany. Germany is becoming uh, now also a LNG import nation, rapidly ramping up uh, regasification capacity. Uh, looking at storage levels, which has surprised, I guess, everybody. Storage levels have been on the top level of uh, historical average. Uh, despite uh, the, uh, the energy crisis in Europe, this has been caused by a couple of factors, which I will come back to. It's the uh, demand subversion and, and it's also a milder start of the winter, which has uh, driven up uh, LNG inventories, which is now being reduced according to the seasonal norm. Uh, so if you look at the pipeline flows from Russia, they are now down by about 90% compared to the level in 2021. In 2022, you saw a development with sliding pipeline flows from Russia, Q1 and then Q2. And then when you had the explosion on the Nord Stream, uh, pipeline uh, volumes fell down to uh, very low levels in Q3, even less in Q4. And they have been staying steady at these kind of levels. This means that Europe has uh, been uh, tapping the LNG spot market to replace Russian pipeline flows. So uh, looking at uh, the European gas demand, as I mentioned, demand subversion, you, you could say demand destruction, but we do think that the gas demand will come back and that's why we're also using the word demand subversion. With European gas consumption down 12% last year, driven by the extremely high prices we have seen. This is not all good news because uh, the beneficiary of uh, these high gas prices has been coal, which uh, was up 14% in 2021 and grew another 6% in 2022. So if you look at where we have had the demand slumps, it's mostly about industry uh, like ammonia producers, but also household where high prices have uh, resulted in people consuming less and also because the winter this year has been very mild in Europe. Uh, looking at uh, the, how Europe is adapting to less pipeline flows uh, from, uh, from Russia, it's about building out uh, new regasification capacity and the easiest way to ramp up capacity is through the use of FSRUs where we do see here uh, Germany, as I mentioned, Netherlands, uh, Italy are ra rapidly ramping up regasification <laughs> re capacity in order to substitute Russian pipeline flows with LNG imports. Uh, the arbitrage, uh, you know, the American market, Henry Hub, you will do see fairly low prices. Uh, European and Asian markets have been up and down here, as you can see. We have now come to more reasonable levels for the LNG prices, but still the, the arbitrage versus Henry Hobb to Europe and the Asian market is still massive, which will support further expansion of US export capacity. Uh, looking at uh, prices going forward, uh, we are now at a level where uh, European and Asian prices are fairly similar, slightly higher prices in, in Asia, 
uh, also the spread between pipeline gas or the TTF and the LNG price, which we call the DES Northwest Europe, has also been uh, been uh, reduced significantly. This this uh, spread between the pipeline gas prices and uh, the LNG prices were at uh, close to thirty dollars, and it's come down now to to one or two dollars, which is a more normal market. So going forward, it will be a tug of war for the marginal cargo. We do see more shift of flow into Asia, and uh, and of course the prices of the LNG in Europe and and Asia will to some uh, extent uh, decide where the cargoes will be flowing. Looking at uh, a, a peculiar thing with uh, the LNG market this year, we saw a rapid increase in floating storage this autumn. If you look at the August numbers, we had about 16 million tons of LNG on water. And this increased to a peak in the uh, middle of November of around 21 million tons of LNG uh, on ships. So uh, you have more than 5 million tons increase in LNG on water, and this is equivalent to about 72 ships. So that's one of the main reasons why the uh, freight market became incredibly tight at the end of the year, because a lot of ships were tied up on floating storage, either because of congestion in Europe, but also to somewhat extent because of a contango in the gas prices uh, in uh, in the October-November range. With, uh, with uh, LNG prices now coming down to earth, we have seen a liquida liquidation of uh, LNG on water. Four million tons less LNG on water now than on peak, which uh, then results in about 56 ships equivalent, less ships uh, with uh, floating storage. And that also very well explains why freight market has been softening from the peak uh, in the middle of November. So if we look at the headline MEGI XDF spot rates, as you can see, these rates went up to about half a million dollars uh, a day at the peak uh, in October-November. As we had less floating storage, they started to slide uh, from November, been sliding down now to around $100,000 per day, which is still a pretty good level at this time of the year. And, and actually now uh, in uh, week seven, we do see a small uptick in, in the spot freight rates. So usually uh, the spot uh, rates tend to bottom out in week 7 to 11 uh, and, uh, and, and then usually following a, uh, a tighter market throughout the year. And here we are put in, in the dotted line on the left hand um, the, the forward assessment uh, for freight rates where we do see that uh, the forward market is pricing above $200,000 of spot rates uh, again for Q4 this year. Uh, another thing to, to, to pay attention to is uh, the liquidity of the spot market also varies quite a lot. On the right hand side here we do see the numbers of spot fixtures. The spot market was very liquid in 2020 into 2021 and then we saw from uh, spring of 2021 a lot of the charters uh, being very active in the tour market pulling in ships into the portfolio and the liquidity of the spot market has been decreasing so uh, from a, a peak of uh, above 30 fixtures a month we have now been down to about five uh, fixtures a month and uh, most of the fixtures being done are being done 
by charters themselves, re-letting ships out in the spot market, and there's been very few independent owners active in the rather illiquid spot market, and uh, less liquidity is also driving up uh, freight rates. Uh, term rates, however, have been ultra firm the whole period. Uh, this is driven by higher building prices. We have definitely seen inflation on new building prices, as uh, Knut mentioned uh, on, on our balance sheet. We have ships booked at uh, uh, the bottom of the market when prices were at around 180-185 million uh, per ship. That price today is about 250 million dollars for delivery 2027, even into 2028. Uh, another driver is of course uh, inflation has also driven up interest rates. So in order to kind of defend such an investment, you need a higher term rate, and the five-year term rate has now stabilized at around $135,000, which is a pretty high level, and it's also one of the reasons why we are pretty confident about being able to build more attractive backlog for the two 2027 ships we are today marketing. And uh, let's look at uh, back to the product market then. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, in 2022, we had a growth of the market of 5%. This year will be slightly less. We expect the market to grow around 4%. Uh, there's very limited new liquefaction capacity coming to the market this year. We will have about 8 million tons from US, mostly due to Freeport restart. Trinidad Tobago have been able to get their uh, feed gas level up and we expect 2 million tons from Trinidad Tobago. The LNG plant here in Norway uh, started up last year, so we do expect an annual increase of about 2 million tons. Mozambique, uh, they have a FLNG which will be producing for a full year this year. End of the year, we will have a new FLNG in Mauritania, adding some volumes and some other uh, 2 million tons from other projects, bringing the market to 416 million uh, as estimate for 2023. Looking forward, however, there's a plenty of new projects coming uh, to the market, uh, especially around uh, 25, 26, 27, when, as I mentioned, we are marketing ships. We have a, a lot of projects under construction. Uh, as you can see here, 95 million rest of the world. Of course, the Qatar is the, the big driver here. And then some projects in North America, like Golden Pass and LNG Canada. We also have some projects being already reached FID. So if we look at the project under construction and those who have been given the green light to start construction, we are ending up at a, a volume of 583 million tons. However, we also expect more uh, investment decisions to be made, especially in America, as I highlighted on this arbitrage, where Henry Hub prices are very low compared to international prices. So the projects we see here, highly likely I will come back to this, 73 million tons more in the US, 46 rest of the world, which can bring this market to 700 million tons by 2030. Uh, so let's look at the uh, big contenders uh, for FID or green light of new projects. We have uh, in, uh, in, in Texas two projects, Rio Grande from next decade and Port Arthur, quite sizable projects. We do expect uh, FID to be imminent. They have also signed offtake for a, a vast majority of, uh, of the volumes being produced. And then we also have two projects 
which is closing in of, on FID in Louisiana. It's the Calcius Pass 2, uh, CP2 from Venture Global, which uh, Venture Global have had an excellent track record on, uh, on, on uh, getting offtake for the project and, uh, and, and building them in, in very short time to market. And then it's the Lake Charles from Energy Transfer, which is also uh, closing in on, uh, on FID date. So uh, with that, I think we will conclude today's presentation. Just to remind you of our highlights, revenues 98 million in line with guidance, uh, strong earnings 41 or 55 million respectively for net income and adjusted net income, which gives earnings per share and adjusted earnings of 78 cents and one dollar and two cents respectively. Uh, we have continued building our backlog with the contract we announced for Chenier in November. We are upbeat about the prospects of adding further backlog uh, to our uh, company. Knut has finalized uh, the balance sheet optimization program. We do still have some loans to be executing the, during Q1, which will bring the total net proceeds from this uh, refinancing of all the third in ships to 387 million, which as uh, he has highlighted, will give us a very strong cash position. Revenues for next year is expected to increase by about 20 million to 370 million, despite us carrying out four dry dockings. And this is driven by higher time charter equivalence earnings of about $80,000 per day expected for 2023. And with a strong backlog, strong financial position, great outlook, we are today paying out a $1 per share dividend, which gives a very attractive yield, we think, of 11%. So with that, I think we conclude today's presentation. We will be doing a Q&A. Just a reminder, you can win the Flexington bed linen kit for the best questions. So Knut and I will now uh, start uh, the Q&A round. Thank you very much. As uh, last quarter, uh, Uma Nukta and now also Chris Wurnheim asked, uh, what is the key strategic priorities for, uh, for management and uh, main objectives uh, going forward? Yeah, <coughs> near term, of course, it's to, to close, for Knut to close the, the current financing during uh, uh, the first quarter, uh, releasing this uh, $204 million of cash. Uh, longer term, I, I, th I think I highlighted it in the the, the chartering strategy. We have two ships now open 2027, which we are marketing in a, a market where uh, term rates have gone up. So, of course, our key priority is to uh, uh, try to secure some attractive long-term contracts for those ships and uh, thereby increasing our backlog and, and, and hopefully also improving the earnings profile through to higher term rates on, on those ships. We also have ships, uh, two ships coming open early 28, which I also think will be uh, finding a marketing window during the year. So it, it's, it's mostly about building more backlog. I think the financing process is <laughs> done for now. Uh, as we've highlighted in the past, and I also mentioned that new building prices are <laughs> quite stiff. Uh, so we rather focus on building, uh, building more backlog for existing ships, which are the same type of technology. Uh, and, and let's see, we have a strong balance sheet, so we can always act on opportunities quickly 
400 million dollars revolving credit line available for us in, in case we, we see opportunities. Uh, I think we can easily scale uh, the company. As uh, I mentioned here, we have fantastic uh, uptime and, and quality on, on the service we are delivering. So, so um, I nothing right big for the moment. Uh, I don't think it's the time to rush to the yards, but uh, keep building the, the business step by step like we've done the last couple of years now. And uh, there's a number of questions here about fleet, fleet expansion. Yeah. And uh, how do you look at the new building prices and ability to, to go to the yard for new buildings? Yeah, I think I mentioned it already. Uh, one thing is when interest rates are zero uh, and you are committing to a, a new building contract uh, where you have a lead time of uh, close to four years today. So kind of the alternative return on that money which you are tying up in uh, yard pre-installments uh, you have zero return on that capital and that means that a sticker price of 250 million is suddenly approaching 270, 80 million when you are kind of taking into account the alternative return on that money you are tying up in that investment. So I, I think it's not really the attractive for us, of course, if there is a tender where there are long-term contracts given the high or elevated new building prices, I think you need to see 10, 15 years contract in order to, to kind of defend such an investment, which I think makes it a very good window for us to, to fix our existing ships. So uh, we're always open for consolidation. The Sea Tankers group of companies, Frontline, Golden Ocean, SFL, uh, we have always been open to consolidate. Uh, we don't have any big egos there. We want to do what's best for the shareholders. Uh, so, uh, so we always have the door open for consolidation, but only if it's uh, good for our shareholders, not necessarily for us as management. Good. Then moving over to uh, capital. And uh, we have this ATM program. And the number of questions is, you can give some uh, color on the background, the yeah. rationale for it, and uh, how to use the proceeds. Yeah, uh, it's when we started thinking about listing this company in the US, it was 2018, and uh, one of the things we did then was to change our accounts from IFRS to US GAAP already in 2018. Uh, <laughs> capital markets in 2019 for LNG shipping companies were pretty poor, so what we did was a direct listing. And we listed the company in US June 2019. Uh, when we did a direct listing, that meant we, we never issued any shares in the US market. So it took a while before the liquidity of the stock uh, became uh, to a level where it's uh, today. Um, at the same time, when we had a slump during COVID in, in 2020, our stock price was negatively affected by that. And we bought back stock, uh, 980,000 shares we bought back in that period. Uh, which we have uh, still in our, our treasury today. So, so the ATM is kind of a way of us improving the liquidity of the, uh, of the stock since no, no stocks have ever been uh, issued in the US. So basically we are selling back some of the shares we, we have bought back in order to create a bit better flow in the stock. We don't have any immediate capital requirements for this cash and also one of the reasons why we are paying out a special dividend today of 25 cents on top of the 75 cents, which uh, gives the investors a good time 
uh, on, on Valentine's. Mm. Um, moving a bit over to more shipping related um, and the contract portfolio. The questions about termination risk in case if uh, natural gas prices falls down. How do you uh, look at uh, yeah. I think we had the ability uh, to, uh, for the charters to amend uh, the contracts? Yeah. I think we had a super stress test on this in 2020 during COVID when LNG price in Europe went below $1 per million BTU. It was up, as I mentioned in the presentation here in August, above $100 uh, per million BTU. And, and Asian prices were as low as 1.8. Um, I've, <laughs> I've never seen, I don't think anybody else has seen termination of these contracts ever since the LNG industry started uh, 50 years ago. These are hella high water contracts. Uh, usually the people who are shipping, they, uh, they also have a cargo they need to ship. Mm. And, uh, and uh, of course the, the cost of the freight is usually quite low compared to the value of the cargo. So, so uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not something we ever seen and we didn't see it in 2020, even though people were losing mono, money, even though uh, a lot of cargoes in the US were cancelled and a lot of ships were idling. We still, uh, we still saw that everybody honored uh, the contracts and, and keep in mind LNG is the big boys uh, game. You know, if you think about the super majors, their size in, in the oil market is very small compared to all the traders and the national oil companies. In LNG, it's mostly the super majors and it's the big uh, national oil companies like Qatar uh, uh, Gas. So it's, 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 it's not a lot of shady counterparties. It's the good counterparties and that also is make it uh, a reliable partners for us to do freight. Yeah, you mentioned um, LNG is the big boys game. Uh, there's a question here if uh, Flex can start buying and uh, trading uh, LNG and not only transporting it. Yeah, um, it's not uh, LNG. Selling and buying LNG is incredibly complex. Uh, you need a totally different organization for doing that. You need to have master sales and purchase agreement with you know all the relevant buyers and sellers. And of course, keep in mind the cargo values can be substantial with cargo values going you know, to $200 million. So it needs a, <laughs> you need a lot of working capital to, to, to kind of finance that uh, type of activity. Another point is, of course, we would be competing uh, against our, our, our customers for, uh, for uh, kind of spot cargos, which uh, <laughs> I would think that some of the, the charters would... Uh, maybe shy away from, from charging our ships if we are competing head-on-head head with them. So we rather focus on, on, the, on the transportation side of the business, which is our shipping business, which we find uh, a good and attractive business and where we can run a lean organization uh, doing that activity, which we couldn't have done on, on the LNG trading side. Then uh, more sh shipping specific, um, how many days uh, does a ship use to cross uh, the Atlantic? Yeah, uh, yeah, usually US, Europe, five, six, mostly 6,000 nautical miles. It's fairly simple to calculate this. So in, in natural boil of speed, we are at 18 knots. It's 24 hours a day. That means you are traveling 432 nautical miles in a day. So that means 14 days US, Europe, you need some time for the loading. You need some time for the discharging. 
So basically you can do one cargo a month. Mm. That translates into 12 cargos a year. And then you are lifting uh, 900,000 tons a year, give or take. Okay. Of course, if you're going to Asia, it's a longer distance. Then it's 10,000 nautical miles through Panama. And if you, if the Panama Canal gets clogged, which is, uh, usually happens from time to time, then you, uh, you have to go to Cape of Good Hope and you are 15,000 nautical miles. So that means when cargoes are flowing from US, the long way either to Panama or Cape of Good Hope or Suez to, to Asia, that usually tightens the, the LNG shipping market because ships are able to transport less cargo a year. Uh, then there's a number of question of decarbonization and environmental impacts and focus that on regulator side and on politicians. How would that impact uh, LNG shipping and flex in particular? Yeah, I think, you know, our main competitor is coal. And as I shown on the graph here, uh, coal consumption is up a lot in, in Europe. It's not only up in Europe, it's up a lot in China. 2022 peak coal consumption in the world. And, and actually we see people are expanding more on the coal side as well because it's uh, affordable. And of course, if you are a developing country, uh, maybe you are not able to pay the price for LNG. The price of LNG will come down. Actually in Europe today, we are uh, at such low prices on the natural gas or LNG that we are getting into the territory of coal to natural gas switching, which <laughs> is a long time we have seen. Because in Europe, you have carbon prices as well. And if you're burning coal, uh, it's twice as much uh, CO2 emissions and you need to buy more of these carbon permits which is costing uh, close to 100 uh, euros per ton. So, so in, in, with lower prices, we actually prefer lower prices because that stimulates demand and usually stimulates demand more in Asia, which is driving sailing distances. In terms of uh, you know, ESG, this, you know, what we're trying to do here is to replace coal with natural gas, which is reducing CO2, but also cleaning up the local air quality with SOX and particle matters and NOx, which is reduced yeah, 85 to 99 percent. So, so that is also a, a side factor of it. Another element is the CO2 pricing, will, which I mentioned in Europe, that will also now start soon for shipping. That means ships uh, calling uh, European ports will have to pay CO2 price for their emissions uh, for that voyage. And of course, our ships are much more efficient than the older steam generation of ships. So our uh, CO2 footprint compared to older steam ship is, is down by about 60%. That means that if you're shipping a cargo on our ships into to Europe, you have less CO2 tax on it, and that will improve further our competitive advantage towards older generation of ships and, and I, I, we do think that eventually CO2 prices will spread to, to other parts of the world and just Europe and, and also Europe is signaling that if other countries are not doing this they will then start to, to collect that tax for the full voyage and not just the half of the voyage which has so far been suggested. Then there's a question if um, our revenues are sensitive to the LNG commodity price. No, uh, we have uh, 12 of our ships are on fixed higher rate, so the rate is fixed, it's not linked to the commodity. Uh, one ship is on variable higher contract, it's not linked to the commodity price, it's linked to the spot rates for freight. So no, uh, that's, 
that's not the case. Then there's a final question. If we are having a balance sheet optimization program phase three, <laughs> maybe I can take it. We've done phase one and two, and now we uh, introduced the 2.1, so you can say it's phase three. Uh, but now we refinanced uh, all of the 13 vessels and um, uh, long-term uh, uh, maturity dates, and uh, we're pleased with what we have, so we'll, we'll pause on that for now. Yeah, that's good. So uh, that concludes the Q&A round, and uh, then the big question is, uh, Who is who's the winner? Who's going to sleep well at night? night. It's going to be Wolf Böhm. Thank you for the questions. You have not only sent questions today, but I've been getting questions from you for the last two years or so, and uh, really, really like your engagement by sending us questions uh, in the middle of the night US time. So uh, we will send over some uh, Flexington Bedlin kits to you and also two t-shirts so uh, you can enjoy that as well and sleep even better. So that concludes today's presentation. Uh, once again, I would thank you for joining. I would like to thank our financiers uh, providing about $2 billion of new financing. I would like to thank all you investors. And not least, I would like to thank our onshore and offshore personnel making this possible, making the propellers turn every day despite all the challenges we have had with COVID. As I've shown today, we have perfect uptime and, and quality records. So thank you very much and uh, we wish you a very good Valentine's Day and we will be back for more uh, updates in May when we're doing our Q1 presentation. Thank you. Thank you.